This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Ephesians 5 is an instruction to the church never to forget the reason for the law and the prophets. When the Pharisees tested Jesus, asking what is the greatest commandment, Jesus replied this. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Sometimes we get caught up in legalistic doctrines, forgetting the reason for the Mosaic law that these works righteous churches try to reestablish. Love. When small children are playing in a playground, everyone is equal. When one child stumbles, getting dirt on his pants, the other children don't stand around and point fingers and tell him that his mother or father is going to be displeased. Girls don't separate themselves from one girl because some mother cuts her hair a little differently or because some article of clothing is ungodly. They're children. They love playing with each other. Paul says that as Christians, we should be exactly like that. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. There is no need any longer for sacrifice or burnt offering. Paul says that our love, one for the other, is the sacrifice and burnt offering. Next is a very sobering thought from mainstream, mainstream churches and from cult churches alike. Paul says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covet, covetousness must not even be named among you as improper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, 
which are all out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving, praise to God. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, he puts in parentheses, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Some have condemned our stand for the truth. Each time that we talk about divine love, as we're doing right now, some in the cult will blast us, saying that because of the many lies and deception that we expose, we're not showing love. But this is exactly what Paul tells us to do. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. We are exposing the truth. We are showing the faults for what it is so that others can walk in the light. And Paul says, the fruit of the light is found that all that is in all good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is spiritual discernment, not the mind reading, the divination that William Branham taught. This is spiritual discernment Paul is asking the church to have. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, don't say anything about it. No, he says, instead expose them. For shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Think of that. If people like myself and Believe the Sign, John Kenna, Peter Dizer, the others, Nathan Rivera, if they had not exposed this, what would happen? They would still be practicing the lies and deception in the dark. But now it's been made light. Now they're having to scramble to try to show that there's some even possibly believable part of it. And there's not. Because we're doing exactly what Paul says here. Exposing them. Paul says, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, and Paul reminds of a scripture, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. By exposing others, as we're doing right now, Paul says, Christ will shine on us. The pastors in this cult, they preach sermons against wisdom. Knowledge is of the devil, they say, not knowing that there's a spiritual knowledge that comes directly from the Holy Spirit. The word discernment has been so twisted in their minds to believe that it means divination, 
that they have thrown out knowledge. Paul says this, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Think of that. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. How does that compare with what the pastors are telling you now? You must have faith. If you doubt, you're not one of us. Paul says, walk as wise, making the best of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Spiritual discernment. Paul tells us not to entertain drunkenness, but instead rejoice in the Spirit. We're to give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know that programming just kicked in right there, but that's the words of Paul. We're to give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody for the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul's message of the marriage union is much different than William Branham's. Though Branham claimed to preach the same message that Paul preached, Paul's message is one of love, while Branham's is one of authority, obedience, and dictatorship. It's not supposed to be that way. Paul says, and this part you're familiar with, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself his Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to everything to their husbands. The husband is supposed to be the leader, just as William Branham taught. The wives are supposed to submit to their husband, representing Christ and the church. But it doesn't stop there. Let's keep reading. Paul says, Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. How does this align with William Branham's false doctrines? Branham claimed that directly from God, in Thus Saith the Lord, women who cut their hair should be divorced. Is this the way of divine love? Paul says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as even their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his mother and his father, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
The mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ, to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love your wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. How many take the first half? Wives, submit to your husbands and leave off the second half. Let's compare what William Branham said about this situation with his version of divine love. But let me tell you something. A lot of women tonight would have an awful time doing that. You'd have to stand on your head to do it. Shame on you. The Bible said the hair is given to a woman for her glory. And the Bible gives a man any right to leave and divorce his wife that'll cut her hair. That's the Bible. That's thus saith the Lord. Does this sound like the same message that Paul just said? Does it sound like the message Paul preached? Does it even sound like something that God would speak through the mouth of William Branham as he just claimed that he did? If the man and the woman are one flesh, according to Paul, why does Branham say that they should be cut in half? How about this one? Is this divine love? That was my remark then. They're not worth a good, clean bullet to kill them with. Did I just read that right? I know you guys have heard this. That's right. I hated women. That's right. I have to watch every move now. Now, this is common now that it's been exposed on the news that William Branham said this. People now know it, but the pastors are saying, well, he was talking about his past. And he was. But let's continue the part that the pastors are not telling you about. The very next sentence is, I have to watch every move now to keep from still thinking the same thing. Is that divine love? That's 1959, April 19th, afternoon service. I have to watch every move now to keep from thinking that a woman should be killed by a bullet and not even a clean one. In 1960, William Branham claimed to have a vision about seeing the bride before the judgment. In that vision, he claimed to preach the same exact message, not even a single word off from what Paul preached. He says this, and that voice speaking to me said it, and I said, well, St. Paul be questioned too, said certainly with his congregation. I said, then if St. Paul passes it, I will too. I've preached it exactly the way he did, not moved one word, and those millions screamed out, we know that, we're resting assured. As Christians, we should ask ourselves, is this yet another false vision? If Branham strayed, not just a word, but almost completely from the message that Paul preached, did he lie about this vision too? Did he even have a vision at all? I'll let you decide.